0: Hello, this is Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI, And I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI. Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. I'm here today with Jamie Moore from Michigan. Jamie and I have known each other for a very long time because Jamie's been in a sort of affiliated with BEI and has been involved in a lot of our programs, is uh, an author and a presenter and has done some of the most interesting sort of content on bringing together the ideas of estate planning and exit planning. And, And Jamie, I don't know if you know this, but there's a program that you did for BEI a number of years ago that had to do with uh, balancing the estate plan and the personal plan and the exit plan. And it's just been hugely popular ever since. And so you're a little bit famous and uh, and people who are connected with BEI will know who you are. And so today we thought we'd invite you in and maybe talk a little bit more about this sort of connection that you see and, and maybe expansion that you see in estate planning and the world of estate planning and why it is that being a traditional estate planner is 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 good but having this extra sort of layer on your practice where you can especially work with business owners to plan for the future makes a difference so i guess that's really my first question is when you're working with business owning clients what are you how is your conversation different with them today than it was you know maybe in the early years of your estate planning practice when you were probably more focused on traditional estate planning what's the conversation like now that's 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 different
1: That's a great question. I know I started off out of law school. I was blessed to work as a trust officer in a bank. And we would work on these plans with really smart people, other attorneys, CPAs, financial advisors, and we'd create this great plan and we'd put it on the shelf and then doggone it, people would actually die. Go figure. Five out of five die. And we'd take the plan off the shelf and go to implement it and I'm going to say boldly that most of the time it didn't didn't work. Two kinds of things in the world. Things that work, things that don't work. And all I mean by that is you're looking down from your cloud, hopefully, and people are scurrying around implementing your plan. And oh my gosh, why are we paying these taxes? Why is everybody fighting? Why is it not working? What are these hassles and messes we're dealing with? And oh, in addition to that, I got this business over here that nobody bothered to even ask me about what I would do with it or how would that work. You know, the famous question, Frank, is if you had died yesterday, you died yesterday. What would be going on around here today? Oh, my gosh. And then they think about it, too late. So when I left the bank and decided to go into private practice and specialize in estate planning, law school had taught us to stay in our lane. You know, Study the law, get your license, and then pick from those 15 areas of the law something that you're passionate about because studying the law in and of itself is like watching paint dry. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. So that experience with the bank, I liked people, I liked uh, solutions up front. Let's think about the problems and solve them. Let's help people. Um, uh, the three Ps, plan for, uh, protect and preserve your wealth well, what about uh, pass along some of your wisdom with your money? Yeah. And so I started with that narrow niche in my practice. And so for, I'm going to say, five, six, seven years, that's all I did. And again, as to your point, people would come in and they'd have this business. Well, what do we do with that, Jamie? Oh, well, that's not my wheelhouse. That's CPA's job or talk to your financial advisor. And I just stayed in my lane. And I just had one of those duh or aha moments. We had a business owner die and the business, the plan we created worked great. Good for me. The business part was a mess. And I thought, well, that's just stupid. I'm rowing one oar. My boat's going in a circle here. And don't I have an ethical and moral obligation to deal with the business side as well? And that's how I found BEI, of course. I figured someone else had to have thought of a way to do this. I'm a good lifelong learner, but I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And I found BEI. And then John, bless John's heart, happened to be coming to Chicago for a boot camp. Well, that's two hours. So I blasted over for the boot camp and and came
0: under his charm and karma. Sure. This is John Brown, the founder of BEI. Right. 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 He's done a lot of those programs all over the place. And a lot of people have been to them.
1: Exactly. And so right after boot camp, I said, well, John, what's next? And then so I... Got involved and started working with you guys.
0: Right. And so now are you? Are the majority of your clients business owning? Is it 20% but they're the funnest 20% or what's your mix of clients today?
1: Well, that is a great question. We really haven't done much analytics on the percentages. It's just that our main focus with my partner and I and our small little team is what people would call estate planning mm-hmm. and what we call empowered wealth protection planning. And so we do workshops and seminars, our marketing, marketing, to find families. And if they happen to also have a business, it's kind of backdoor. But the other way is by speaking Mm -hmm. pre-COVID. We do presentations and workshops, all my BEI tools, chamber events. If people will obviously, if they'll let me talk, I'll talk. And we just give away the information. Mm -hmm. So with business owners, it's been a little lunch and learns. It's been... I was invited to speak to Saginaw Valley State University, Stevens Center for Business, Family Businesses, or something like that. That eight that was ten counties, and so there was like two hundred people on this webinar. Well, how else would I talk to that many people? Or the CPA or the financial advisor say, "I have one client. Elizabeth calls me. Let's just have a cup of coffee and a conversation in my conference room." So to me, the audience is as important as the message. You've got to deal with this because you are going to exit at some point, either die at your desk, carried out on your shield or whatever the goal may be.
0: Mm-hmm. And so then now today with, you know, what are you have this sort of estate planning kind of, um, you know, sort of theme throughout all of the work that you're doing and you've got this business planning uh sort of expertise layered on top and so what are the problems that you're helping people solve these days or what are the things that are that are that your business clients Seem to care about more often than others. I, you know, every person, every advisor that I talk to is in a little bit of a different situation, and so I just keep asking the question because based on your geography and the wherever your clients come from and your personal sort of style or personality or background, it changes the way the things that you're helping people solve. And so, what are your main things cuz we've got business owners that that listen to our content we've got advisors that listen to our content and they're all trying to place these ideas and sort of in their own lives or in their own firms and things like that what are you, what are you working on what do people care about
1: well the biggest problem i see is there is no planning mm. i mean it's maybe what 10 20% have any kind of plan at all true the last workshop we did, we had one of those people in the audience that's kind of the one that you want them to tell them not to ask any more questions. You know, the one with the pocket protector and the, excuse me, I have a question, excuse me. And everyone else is going, oh, my God, let the guy talk. Sure. And he kept this and this and this and this. And people wanted to have the fruit and coffee. So how do you kindly extricate yourself from that? And I literally, just too much coffee, but I kind of went out around to the table and I got right up in his face and I said, Frank, Frank, Do me a favor. Help us out here. Sure. Well, Mr. Moore, I said, point at your head. Point at my head. Point at your head. And repeat with me, this is not a plan. (laughs) And everybody, now we can have coffee. But really, I got to thinking about that. That's the truth. These owners and these families have some kind of idea about if you died or got disabled or retired or whatever, you changed. What would that look like? Mm -hmm. They thought about it, but no one is bothered to... Uh, counsel them and unpack that for them. That There's a process that we have at BEI to help you deal with this. Mm -hmm. And it's a a logical seven-step process. And I found that a lot of my owners want to start with where I started, which was step seven, protect everything. I build all this stuff. How how do I protect it? And we say, well, you can start there. It's a process. But if you want to start there, that's okay. Or the other big one I see is no continuity. My own son-in-law, God bless his little pea-picking heart, has no plan in place. I finally, at gunpoint, gave the one-page assessment Mm -hmm. to my daughter and said, sit him down and say he doesn't get his drink until he fills out. Where are the keys? What are the Mm -hmm. account numbers? Mm -hmm. If you had died yesterday, Jeff... Yes. What will be going on around here? Mm-hmm. So I, I guess the biggest thing I see is not what are the specific issues when we get started. Uh, just it's a lack of planning. to get people
0: to start in the first place. I think you, you know what, I think you may be right. And I and I do hear that a lot, that... that it's uh there's still even though bei surveys are kind of seeing an increase in awareness among business owners we think that the data tells us that there's a little bit of a slightly growing awareness among business owners of the importance or the need or the value or the benefit whatever it is of having a plan for the future of the business but it's still not a lot it's still the great majority at least 80 percent of privately held business owners seem to not have a plan, and they and they certainly don't. If they do have a plan, like a, it's more like the idea you're talking about, and it's not in writing. And so it might be in that case a secret, and so a secret is not also a plan, because <laughs> nobody can help you implement your secret because exactly. they don't know about it. And so now you're working with business clients, and you're helping them along. And and you know, are are tell me more about these ideas that. Uh, from way back in your career that I think this probably has continued for you today up to today that, that clients, we'll call them, are interested in sort of passing along some kind of, what did you call it, sort of, you know, something, some wisdom or knowledge uh, to whoever. And so, and so is that still common? Do you still see that as a theme running throughout that people, that not only do they want to minimize their taxes and have their assets go where they want them to go, which is all important, but do you still see that kind of theme that sort of wanting to transition transfer something beyond that?
1: Well, yes, Elizabeth, it's excellent way to put it. The other thing, the other big myth that hasn't changed in the 40 years I've been doing this, believe it or not, is that somehow my family, my, my personal or, and my business, well, that's all later. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm rolling now. I got kids to feed and we're living life and my business is running and yeah, I'm going to exit. I'm going to get disabled. I may die, but that's way down the road. So when I get close to that, Maybe then I'll start to learn about this. Mm -hmm. So I find that if I just bring that topic up, listen, the longer time you have, the better exit you're going to have. This is not something you do at the end. That's a 911 plan. We hate those calls. Frank got hit by the beer truck. Can you help? Good Lord. Yeah, but it's going to be a mess. We'll start usually at the courthouse steps with the four dreaded words we never want to say, which are good morning, your honor. I mean, that is not a plan, so I'm constantly talking to people about the longer you have, the more time to think this through, the better it's going to be. So if you have three, five, ten, fifteen years to do this, you're spot on. Don't wait till the last eighteen months, and let's go to market. I'm out of here. that's my son in law when I'm ready, I'll sell
0: it right really? And will you be ready then? Because I know. yeah, I think business owners think about their this idea of their exit as exactly that when I'm ready. I'll do this and they've completely or just I think it's just a lack of awareness or a lack of, you know, understanding of what the differences could be because there's no mention or thought to when my business is ready, I'll be able I'll have the flexibility. And so there's just a little bit of education. Business owners don't know what they don't know. And so it's not really their fault, but it's a a great opportunity to say, okay, well, when you're ready, how do you know that your business will be ready? What will you have done? to get your business ready. And if your son-in-law or another business owner says, well, I'll have a really good business, okay, well, do you know what buyers look for? Do you know what they care about? Do you know what makes a strong and healthy business after a transition? Do you know what the business relies on you for? And you're gonna to have to do something about that if you're planning on not being there. So I think some of those, you know, those, those educational moments can be really valuable because business owners are so smart. It's exactly. funny, though,
1: if we if we bring up the thought process a little too early, then our human mind, that analytical side, you have Mr. Intuitive and Mrs. Analytical, whichever one you're talking to, you have to be careful about that. If I end up with Mr. Analytical, it's well, I'll deal with that later. Mm. So I guess I would wonder anybody even listening to this, um, how can we as a country, as a citizen in a country who wants it to thrive? get because business owners are the country let's face it how do we get that message out through chambers or at church or i got a bunch of guys i play golf with or something about this idea that planning the sooner you start investigating this analytically and emotionally the better it's going to be don't wait Mm -hmm. on either your family or your business the more we get that message out there then there'll be more inquiry Okay, Jamie, I'll, what is your video? Can I have a copy of your report? Can I read your book? Can mm-hmm. I come to your webinar? Once that starts to happen, then the dynamic will change and more people will be looking for content and information. And then we can do our wonderful thing we do, which is hug them and yell at them and punch them and teach them and throw them on the floor and get the pen in their hand and make them do what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. my granddaughter. <laughs> you're supposed to have gray hair. Grandpa, aposa. you're the grandpa.
0: That's right. That's right. So Should that's I diet? It?
1: No, it's supposed to be great.
0: That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so then, okay, on the grandchild theme, then, you know, have you seen an evolution in how people think about what they want to what they want for their children or their grandchildren, what they want those been, I've been hearing a lot in the last few days about people talking about making sure that they don't overprovide for their children or grandchildren, and I'm not sure that that was. Uh, I'm. I don't remember hearing about that quite so much. Maybe you know, 20 or 25 years ago, or maybe I was just in different circles then. So, do you see any changes or sort of trends in the direction of? How clients, whether they own businesses or not, want to treat their children and their grandchildren, what, how much or how little they want to pass on?
1: That's a fascinating question, Elizabeth. I find that the psychology of that has not changed, only the discussion. So when we talk about this to begin with, everybody comes in, i got to take care of the kids. Well, but even on the airplane coming out and they say the oxygen mask appeared, what are you supposed to do with
0: it? Take care of yourself. Put your first. own mask
1: on first and then help those around you. So we have to back it way back up to what if you get alive and not well? Disabled and not die, or one dies first and then this and eventually we'll get down to little Throckmorton and his issues. Mm-hmm. So it's always when I'm alive and well, I want to control it. When I'm disabled, I want to plan for that. But finally when I die, business or family, Um, I want to give what I have, a little or a lot, to whom I want. Mm -hmm. Because you have a plan if you don't have one. The government wrote it for you. Yes. So to whom I want. And the fun discussion is always when we finally get there, the way I want. What's the best way? So it's a blessing and not a curse. And so, gosh, what if my kids or grandkids get divorced or bankruptcy or car crash or God knows what? How can I give it to them so it's protected? This business I've spent my life a building, how can it be passed on if I want to, or maybe I just want to sell it? But if you don't think about it in advance, what the end result is, you end up with a plan that doesn't work.
0: hmm Okay. Yep, you're right. Let me ask you this: so when, uh, because you come from this you know, sort of more traditional, and now estate planning practice, and now expanded to be estate planning and exit or transition planning for business clients, then. Uh, then you might have pretty strong opinions or you might not on the question of when the client is a business owner and you're doing some kind of planning work for them, the burning question, I've heard some people have very strong opinions about this, include the non-business owning spouse in all the conversations, don't include them until you've kind of helped the business owner resolve some things in their own mind. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Because there's a lot of debate about that.
1: Well, we encourage always at some point, early, middle, later, review, update, whatever, have a family huddle. And if you want me to come in and referee and draw the boxes and talk about the why, what, wherefore, everybody has peace of mind then. Mm -hmm. That that The mission of our firm is peace of mind, not just a piece of paper. Ah. Now, the irony of that is we end up producing enough dead trees to sink a bass boat. But our clients walk out of there with their... I think they know more about exit planning and estate planning than half of the practicing bar, quite frankly, because of the discussion we have about how it works. Not the legal technical, but what did did I actually do here? Now, how do I go explain this to the kids? And why does my partner or my spouse or my significant other or whatever, why do they need to be involved? Because it impacts them. It's the pebble in the pond thing. Mm -hmm. And once they get a broader picture of who this may affect, even in my community, I think the last time you spoke, or John, you were talking to us about, even with a smaller Main Street business, if they go out of business, it may affect 15 to 30 other people in the community because of their involvement. No, it's just me and my business. No, it's way more than that. So if I can help them embrace a broader spectrum of their thinking, they're more anxious to plan because it's not just about me then.
0: Oh, so you're taking it really to a much broader way of thinking than, you know, A lot. what I was listening to someone talk about just earlier today was, you know, I think it's very important that the business owner and the spouse, you know, are really in line together, but you've got it much more broad than that, where you're looking at all of kind of the stakeholders and constituents and people who might be impacted and then working through the client to say, okay, here are all the people. Now let's make sort of a conscious decision how and when and with what information to draw them. And I think that's probably a nice kind of well-rounded way to do it, but also lets you maybe adjust on a client-by-client basis for their particular situation, right?
1: Amen, because uh, you know some people say, um, I know, and some people say, I know. You know, And the male chauvinist pig that I am would say, the ladies normally say, I know, and us gentlemen, that's a bunch of hooey everybody's wired differently. But when you start that discussion about if, it, if something happened to you, my, my son-in-law, to your business, would that affect my daughter? Oh, yeah. Well, what about your kids? Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Well, what about, you got 16 employees here, and this is all they know. And what about your vendors and your suppliers? And if they'll go down that path, they, be, they embrace the planning quicker. But some of them are, I'm out of here, baby. I'm hitting the ball. It's up to them. It's, if that's where they're at, we have to take that into consideration. But they tend to have a have a tendency to want to plan more when they think about more than just me and I myself and I.
0: Mm, I get it, you know. And ultimately, that's why we plan is so that we can accomplish those goals for the client and for those extra circles and and. Connections and threads that they have throughout. So I think maybe maybe we close on that for today. Is having business owners who are listening and advisors who are listening really think more broadly about that pebble in the pond kind of concept and maybe get a new perspective on that. And I think that that can co- that can help people maybe get some clarity about just maybe one thing that they can do to start or one next step that they can take is what are the consequences for all of those kind of dominoes in the in the in the array going to be
1: clarity that's the key word that you just said right there is clarity because ultimately from a helicopter view there's two kinds of social capital self-directed social capital which is planning and government directed social capital which is darth vader the irs and taxes and all that so where do you want your social capital to go it's all in your control or you could be like the great-grandpa rocking on the porch. And little Throckmorton comes running out and says, Grandpa, grandpa, can you make a noise like a frog? He said, well, yeah, I guess I could do that. Why? He says, because grandma just said that when you croak, we get to go to Hawaii.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave with that because... Nobody closes with a joke like Jamie Moore. So thank you very much for being here today. This has been fantastic. Please come back again soon, and I would love to see you.
1: Happy to do that. Thank you, Elizabeth.
0: Thanks for listening. Join us for our next episode. For more content like this, please visit ExitPlanning.com.